0: Welcome back to Soccer from the Zoo. I'm Michael Howie, and I'm here again with Kyle Pannell. We've got another big episode, lots of action. We're gonna recap the Champions League. Uh, we're going. Sorry about that. We're going to uh, be talking about the Premier League. Lots of stuff going on. Also, some MLS when we uh, when we wrap up. The MLS season is also wrapping up, so we'll talk about what the playoffs are looking like, decision days is on the horizon and uh so yeah let's get right into it uh as you know kyle an everton fan we'll start with him what are your thoughts on uh everton's performance this past week
1: yeah well first off i gotta say it's nice to be here um back in person first time in two weeks uh we've both been out of town over the last few days or last few weeks so it feels nice to finally be talking to you in person and as far as Everton goes, those two weeks also correlated with Everton not winning a game. So I guess there's not a better time for us both not to be in studio from my perspective. But it, it, there's been a lot of injuries at Everton, and that's no excuse. They had a great start. They're still They have a lot of stuff going well for them. But you're going to not win games when you ha- you're missing three, four, five of your best players. And I'm not making any excuses for them. Those games were against Southampton and Newcastle. You would think they'd take at least a point worst-case scenario. They've just looked bland the last few weeks, and I, I don't know how much of it's just they drew Liverpool, which is great. That's a great result, and then to just lose back-to-back games, you can't do that if you want to stay at the top of the table. I think they've slipped to le- still in the top six, but four or five area, I believe is what it is, but they're they're five right now. and Honestly, I'm not too disappointed in that fact. I don't expect them to be the first team in the Premier League. But let's start with the last weekend's 2-1 loss to Newcastle. Like I mentioned, it's kind of expected. You're going to be flat. They haven't won a game without Richarlison since 2018. And he's, he's such an important piece because of how he presses and how he's Everton's outlet on the left wing. He can drive at players. He can score. I think he has .28 expected goals at every place along the front line. So he's plug-and-play wherever. He's the heart of the team. So it starts off by missing him, and you've got to make up that creativity. Now, when you're missing a player like James Rodriguez, who is out for the Newcastle game as well, you're missing creativity in the midfield. Uh, as an Everton fan, I saw last season how that looked when there is no creativity, and we saw it again last weekend against Newcastle. you got someone like Andre Gomes, who's really hes proven that he needs somebody more creative than him in that midfield. He's a good eight. He can move the ball. But he isn't capable of changing a game by himself. And when you put him in there with Gilfie Sigurdsson, who's once again a great player, but he's not going to move the needle by himself, you just saw how important it was for a player like James Rodriguez to be in the team. And what a mess Everton would have been this season without the signing of him. And Ducore, I believe, played. And he's not going to change games from a creative standpoint. He's going to break games up and allow James Rodriguez and, um, and then Andre Gomez or Gilfie Sigurdsson to do what they do best. So the midfield was below the pace, and uh Lucas Dean he was out um with a red card suspension, not an ideal situation for him there, but he will be back against Manchester united. I'm gonna get to that game in a second I gotta speed this up, but one of the best left backs in the world arguably he at least the statistics back it up as far as creating goals and that left side without Rich Arlison and Lucas Dean is gonna hurt even against a team like Newcastle. These are all Premier League sides. They're all very, very talented and will find ways to win games. So when you take out that service, Seamus Coleman was also out. It's just there's no creativity in the team. They struggled, and they didn't really. it didn't feel like they wanted it. Now, they got the goal back, and I believe in the 90th minute in that range, but really they never looked threatening, and the same can be said for the Southampton game. Uh, they play again tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. against Manchester United. That will be interesting. These are two teams coming in off similar confounding spells of play. Manchester United, as we'll talk about later, has some interesting stuff going on in the Europa, I mean in the Champions League and they're just so inconsistent. Everton, I don't think they've haven't had a chance to prove to be inconsistent cuz Manchester United on paper will, is still t- more talented than this Everton team. You got Pogba, you got Bruno Fernandes, you got um Harry Maguire, you got all of these talented Manchester United players, and obviously they haven't been playing up to snuff, it's always very, very difficult against United and a lot of upset fans um, in Manchester. So I think it's a winnable game. I think both teams, it will be a big result for either team, whoever gets, whoever gets the game. Uh, I think Everton with Thomas Rodriguez is, is supposed to be back. Dinier is supposed to be back. Richarlison, I don't believe. So I think he's still serving one or two more games on that suspension. That's going to be hard. you got to test that theory of not winning without Richarlison in forever. But I think that will be a very intriguing game at 6.30 a.m. tomorrow central. And to wrap up my Everton thoughts, I know it' have been going on a while, but going into the year, you want top 8, top 10 as an Everton fan. They finished 11 or 12 last year. And the way they started, they've proven that they're a top-six caliber team when healthy, and that's the key word. So they are playing a more healthy side this week. Obviously, without Richarlison, I think – I mean you just got to stay in the top six these are games a top six team wins against Manchester United you'd win against Southampton and Newcastle too but there were the health concerns so if you continue throughout the season win enough games to stay in the top five top six then you're going into the festive fixtures period in a few weeks and uh, you just go on from there and, and get to the back end of the season I think Everton's done an admirable job of that so far exceeding expectations of course and now coming back down to earth and uh, another team that's kind of been or building on its consistencies been going up and down and i i think while the results may not be as convincing they're looking good and more solid and i think that's a team like Tottenham and what have you seen out of your team over the last few weeks michael
0: well yeah i tottenham it, they they've been playing uh very well as of late uh they well i'll I'll go into the week recap so uh in the Premier League, as far as that goes, it was a 2-1 win versus Brighton at home. Uh, a big win, obviously important to pick up the three points. At the time, it put Spurs into second place in the table, something that uh, hasn't been done in a while, uh, probably a few years at least. Uh, and, and they're in third place now. Uh, I believe Leicester passed them after uh, defeating Leeds uh, during the week. So it, it's it's big for them to be in the top four right now. Not something I would have uh, imagined in the first couple match days, but big for them to be in the top four. Kane got the goal early in the game. I think it was the thirteenth minute. He scored a penalty, put Tottenham up one nothing. Brighton came back and tied it up one to one. I believe is the fifty sixth minute. Kind of controversial. There was a an interesting in the build up. There was a, a clear foul uh, on uh, Hoibier uh, for Tottenham by uh, Sally March. On Brighton for some reason VAR didn't call that back I really don't know exactly what the rule was there but an obvious foul in the build-up Tottenham had the ball they gave it to Brighton following the foul and Brighton were able to score so I, I really don't know what happened there but in any event it was 1-1 and then Gareth Bale scored his first goal since returning first Premier League goal since 2013 and Tottenham got the 2-1 win so crucial for them very important three points and as far as that goes you know that's that's the premier league but also europa league they've been performing well they had an unfortunate loss i don't yeah we haven't had an episode since that happened yeah uh, against uh, royal antwerp uh they lost one nothing i
1: think i set you up for that last week when i left the call but i don't know if you yeah. took it or not but yeah it was head scratching to say the least
0: yeah very surprising and this is something that we've seen from tottenham uh, at least that i've seen Pretty much since I've started watching them play, they are so prone to playing to the team's level that they face. Uh, whatever team they play, they'll 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 match them, and that includes that includes good teams randomly, and it also includes bad teams, and, and and frankly just teams that are that are not at the same caliber as they are. And that includes Antwerp. They they tend to fall into this lull where they don't play with much intensity, not much confidence. They just don't seem to be dialed into the game, and they get hurt. And Mourinho has been very critical of that as of late. He was even critical of it uh, after this week. This was yesterday. Tottenham beat uh, uh, Ludogorets Razgrad yesterday 3-1, an impressive performance, an important three points. But at the same time, Mourinho was critical. He said that that they're not playing. To their potential, he says, these are Premier League players. I think the quote was something along the lines of, these are Premier League players, I expect more from them. So I, I really like that energy from him. I think it's it's important to, to say, look, we got the win, we're happy about the win, but we can, we can still improve. Uh, now that game was important uh, and, and meaningful for Harry Kane. That was his 200th career goal for Tottenham. He scored it uh, on a, a nicely placed header. And then other than that, some nice buildup. Uh, I think Lucas Moore got the goal uh, as well in the, the second goal. And then and, and that was also assisted from Kane, who, by the way, has been on an incredible run. 13 games, he's got 12 goals and 10 assists. That is that is impressive.
1: The assist numbers are even more impressive. You, uh, get, you yeah. can expect Kane to do that, and that's kind of the dif- di- differentiator. I don't want to get you too far off yeah. track between him and a player like Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's had a breakout season, a really, really great season. Yeah, They're around similar goal counts. He scored again against Newcastle, right, coming from an Everton perspective. Yep. And I, I know Everton doesn't have the same pieces around Dominic Calvert-Lewin that can put the ball in the back of the net like Kane does with a player like Sun and now a player like Bale. But that's a really, really good statistic, and you can continue there. But I just wanted to point out just how impressive that is for Kane to find those assists with the goals as well.
0: It's what top quality strikers do. Absolutely. And then speaking of Son, he got the third goal. He came on, I think it was like the 73rd minute or something, and like 10 seconds later, uh, assisted the The announcer actually was like so far beyond the play because he was still announcing that Son had had come into the game and he was already he already had the assist. He fumbled over his name. It was, it was. Uh, he just he he streaked into the into the box, uh, played a through ball and and Tottenham got the third goal. So a comfortable win for sure, but at the same time, there's there's definitely more work to be done. We'll see how they can continue that uh their good form uh, against West Brom this weekend. I think it's a Sunday six a.m. kickoff. So, another early morning for us. Uh, I'll I'll be uh, actually at Mizzou's soccer game. I think that's a 1 p.m. kickoff. At so. six in the morning? Well, not at six, but I'll have to I'll have to wake up at some relative hour of the day to get to that game. So you know what? Maybe I'll just make it 6 a.m. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, it, they'll be looking to improve on that on their on their performances, and they're in third now. Obviously, big confidence booster. It's pretty clear that the Premier League is a big focus uh probably more so than the Europa League which I think is fair and um they'll be looking to to improve on that so exciting stuff everton as you mentioned lots of work to be done and i want to talk about manchester united real quick before yeah, i move on yeah of course on. manchester united are probably the most inconsistent team in europe right now uh i was looking earlier at the uh at their at their form and you look just a just a week ago they beat uh, uh, Leipzig by five goals it was five nothing and then they lost to Arsenal by a goal then they lost to Istanbul in the Champions League which we'll talk about but before that they'd beaten PSG mm-hmm. they got a draw against Chelsea but then they'd lost to Tottenham six to one and they'd beaten Brighton before that they lost to Palace before that then they lost to Villa in the beginning of the season so They've been incredibly inconsistent. What do you
1: think that's that's due to? I mean, you've got a coach uh, like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and, and he's been there for a while. I don't think it's a coaching thing. I mean, there's parts of it, but I don't think it's purely – he's not a new coach. He knows the system. Like I mentioned earlier, the talent there is, on paper, undisputable, and this is why you play games on the field, of course. But what do you think – is it just they, they're getting up to play against a team like PSG, and then they're going on and they play a team like – uh, I forgot it was one of the Istanbul teams and then they lose I, I get that they aren't a big name but that's Champions League um, soccer right there that's the name that's the name of the competition this isn't some little team that you can just go and expect to you would think they would get up for Champions League games regardless of the opponent especially early on but why do you think they're just so inconsistent
0: it's a good question I think that some teams may just be figuring them out. That happens a lot uh, with some of the top teams. They get studied. The, th- the The managers will be able to figure out how to break them down, and it's about whether the team can succeed at actually breaking them down or not. Credit to Manchester United; they're still in first place in their group in the Champions League. But you know, against the uh, against Istanbul this past week, only two shots on target for Manchester United. They dominated the possession, but. If a team can be defensively sound after scoring two goals like Istanbul were, they did allow a first goal for, for Manchester United to get back into the game just before halftime, but the second half was all about parking the bus, and and they did it successfully. But then it also can come down to in- individual players. I think the first, the first person that comes to mind is Paul Pogba. We talked about him uh, after the Tottenham game, that he was just not looking like he really was invested in the game. And... I've seen that from him before. I I didn't notice that particularly uh, uh in his play of late, but sometimes players are just not going to have good games and and it's all about the team you face. Sometimes a style just is not going to work and and you're going to get punished for that. But you know, it, it, consistency is is always an issue in soccer and I think it's about how United can finish out this Champions League group stage, they're still looking fine. They've got six points tied for first uh, with Leipzig except they're ahead on goal differential and uh, head-to-head matchups with the 5-0 win. And then PSG and Istanbul, both with three points, it's really anyone's group still. Mm-hmm. With three match days to go, its its it could go any way. Uh, so we mentioned Group H as being the group to watch in the Champions League preview that we did uh, before the season started and and I think it still is the group to watch and it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the last 3 days so um anything else on united
1: well you know what i took from that was you mentioned that Good teams are always figured out, and so I just heard that. And then Everton's lost their last two games, so all I heard was that you called Everton a really good team because they got figured out. You know what?
0: I'll just, I'll just, I (laughs) guess I just have to
1: say that now. Yeah, I
0: I would say Everton is is a good Premier League team.
1: Yay! Although Um, a better Premier League team right now, top of the table as current form is Southampton.
0: Yeah, top of the Premier League team who Tottenham beat five to two, and they're up
1: one nothing. Um, I believe they are playing Newcastle. They're up one nothing on Newcastle. They've
0: Oh, that's right. Had yeah. a
1: really good season so far. I don't want to get too much into the Southampton talk. I'm kind of using that to funnel in. The biggest game of the weekend has to be Liverpool-Manchester City. I mean, it's a team. It's a game that usually decides first place this year. Liverpool's in second. Manchester City is sitting in tenth. Um, with two fewer matches played, we'll give them that. We'll give them that. But that's always going to be a good game. There's so much talent on the field, regardless of form. It's another game like Everton-Liverpool or... Tottenham and United you throw all the p- talent on paper out the window and we can't talk too long about this cuz there's so much to go over but what what do you think will happen in this game do you think is Liverpool's too overpowering we've seen them against Everton if they put that performance out again city has the talent to punish them and vice versa
0: yeah i think this actually my my prediction is this goes city's way my reasoning for that is Liverpool's defense is extremely hurt right now they are obviously without van dijk and he, he he went down with injury he's i think out for the rest of the season and you then you look at city's attack they are extremely dangerous they are known to score a lot of goals and if liverpool can't match them then it's 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 going to be trouble because liverpool's defense is uh is very much uh not at the top uh of its potential, at least the potential that it had at the beginning of the season, United or uh, city have not been uh, in great form. As you mentioned, they've got six games played compared to the rest of the league, which has uh, either seven and Southampton has now played eight uh, winning one, nothing now. But uh, so so I I think that if they, if they get a win, they'll be at 14 points. That's going to catapult them right up into the top five. Uh, yep. so with I, games I, in hand, yeah exactly. And so I think that they're uh, the table is misleading right now. They are by all means capable of of doing that, and I think against a team that's struggling uh as far as their uh their starters and and being able to field them all, I think this is a game that city can win. Liverpool in excellent form. uh I'm scrolling scrolling, scrolling. the last time they dropped points was against everton with the draw. Uh, and then before that, the the shocking loss to Villa. But since then, they've been completely dominant, Yep. undefeated in the Champions League, undefeated in the Premier League. So I I think it's going to be a great match. It always is, but I see this one going City's way. So what are your thoughts Mm -hmm. on it?
1: That's a tough one. I, I, I would have to say with Liverpool's form... I, I get their defensive issues. I, I get they're going up with one of the best strikers in Sergio Aguero, um, Kevin De Bruyne. Manchester City has so much talent. I, I don't think this is a game Liverpool loses. I think they get up for the big games. Um, Everton's a different case. But this is there's been so many great clashes. You remember last year, I believe it was, to secure – or two years ago. No, it was when City won it two years ago. I believe it was Vincent Company, mm-hmm. one nothing game, and he just scores – A screamer from right outside the box. It was an unbelievable goal that did end up winning them the title. The math checks out on that fact. The games are always back and forth. I think Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp, I think at this point is a better motivator than Pep Guardiola. He's more creative. They both are in their own way. I think this is one that Liverpool takes, as much as I hate to say that. But I can definitely see it going both ways. And now before we uh, leave England, got to go over some of our games of the week, our underrated games of the week. So... In case you weren't gonna watch uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, or either Everton, Manchester United, or Tottenham, and who are they? playing West Brom. Tottenham's right? playing West Brom, yep. and
0: actually, you you have led perfectly into mine. So if you Let's don't do mind, that, I'll yeah. Be free, so <laughs> because that is my underrated game. Um, I figured at some point we had to Homer. have an underrated game involving our team. So yeah, mine is Tottenham West Brom. My reasoning for that is different than I've done before. Um, usually, I've said, "Oh, this is underrated because." These are two teams that uh maybe they're they're better than you might think or they're both bad. I mentioned I did Fulham Sheffield. They are definitely both bad. Um oh yeah, thanks. So who's in top four? Anyway, um, <laughs> uh I've got I've got this game is underrated because I think it's going to get out of hand very fast. And I am going to regret saying this. I know I will. Uh but just looking at the pure statistics, right? Tottenham scoring tons on the road. Southampton, 5-2. to two. United, 6-1. to one. West Brom have allowed the most goals in the Premier League. They also have scored the third fewest, and they are still winless in the Premier League. So I think this one will get crazy, crazy on the score sheet. You, you've got Tottenham, who are in in great form. Kane, as we talked about almost destined to score a goal here Gareth Bale got his first one he's looking good he's in good form confidence booster for sure I I just I'm sorry but I can't imagine this game ending in it with with a with Tottenham scoring fewer than three goals and again I am going to regret saying this I know I will but that's why I've got it underrated I think this will be a very exciting game to watch if you're a Tottenham fan and a very disappointing and uh, depressing one to watch if you are a West Brom fan.
1: There's two ways this game can go, is all I'm going to say. You're going to go either route A, where, like against Everton, West Brom scores first, and then you have Tottenham. I don't know, they have too much talent for that. Or you go route B, where Tottenham scores scores first, and it's like going to be Gareth Bale throwing hearts out to the entire place. Yes. Um, Missed that, though. Great seeing him score um, in the last game. But then you <laughs> somehow, some way, it's going to be like, two to one or two to nothing and Mourinho is going to park the bus for like an hour and he's going to try and write it out and it's going to be a draw I can see it going those two ways something's going to happen that's
0: happened too few times it, you've described about 10 Tottenham games in the last year it seems
1: yeah he's going to park <laughs> the bus in some way shape or form I think ta- Tottenham's too talented you're right it's looking at maybe a three four goals for the Tottenham in this one I don't think West Brom can match that going to my game I'm going to go with Leeds United sitting in 12th and Crystal Palace in 13th. I think this is a intriguing game, maybe something more under the radar. You got Leeds who came out on fire and they're still a really good team. They're mid-table like I mentioned. They're not talked about as much and and they'll, they'll stay up this year. They have they have enough talent for that. Uh and they play a fun brand of soccer under Marcelo Bielsa. They're coming off of a um a 4-1 loss to Leicester City and Leicester's going to do that to teams. Leicester's a proven mid-table team. They're in the same Everton conversation under Brendan Rodgers. That's your first really awakening game if you're leads. Like, Welcome to the Premier League. You can go back and forth with Liverpool, but there's going to be games where you're just not going to stack up or you're not going to be up for it, and you're going to lose big like this. That's what happens. I mean, uh, you see United, a very small Premier League team, losing to Tottenham 6-1. So it's just one of yeah, you're it. one of those things. So I think it'll be intriguing. Leeds has Chris. No, Leeds has Arsenal and Everton in the coming weeks. So it is important to take points here. Arsenal, not flashy, but they are also getting points out of their games. And then Crystal Palace is coming off of a two nothing loss to Wolves. Uh, the only impactful thing from that result is a late red to Luka Milivojevic, who will be out for this game. Palace was on a good streak too prior to playing Everton earlier in the season, and. They're, they're a scrappy team. Um, I think this game could go either way. And Palace four points in the last five games, a little bit of a concerning trend. Usually they do start hot or they have hot streaks and they kind of falter. And uh, yeah, I think that'll be a really good underrated game. And next we were going to talk Champions League. I want to get real quick before, just because of timing, I kind of want to talk about the international rosters here. Yeah. Uh, we can start out with... I have England first in the rundown, but we can start with uh, the U.S. And they have games versus Wales, which is going to be in Swansea. And then Panama and Austria It's going to be the 12th and 16th of November. We haven't seen the U.S. national team in forever. And there is so much pent-up excitement, which is never a good thing. Because once we see them play, <laughs> that pent-up excitement's going to yep. go somewhere.
0: Straight down the...
1: Well, who knows? Who knows how they play? Yeah. And. and... I really, really, really enjoy this roster. you got this attacking core, Pulisic, who is a little injured for Chelsea right now. I think he's questionable. He's not going to play for them this weekend. Hopefully, he's healthy by then. But you got Gio Reyna, Sebastian Soto, a young talent, Josh Sargent, who hasn't had the best season at Werder Bremen, but it will be interesting to see where he fits in this national team where your only other option is um, Jossie Zardes. And um, who is the other... Breaker for TFC.
0: Oh, um Josie Altidore. Altidore. Those yeah. are
1: usually your other two options, so anybody's better than that. Um although statistics will undermine me and Jossi will play and he's been pretty good in MLS, I begrudgingly admit.
0: Yeah, I'd take Altidore from the World Cup in like, what was it, twenty fourteen? Something like that. Yeah, I'd take him there. But yeah, Uli L-
1: Yeah, Uli Yines, He's a interesting young player. Who I'm very, very excited about. Eunice Musa, who um I believe Paul Tenorio of the Athletic reported first that uh, the U.S. called him up. He played his youth time in England. He's, I believe, he's 17 right now. Now he's playing for Valencia in La Liga, and he's a very hot prospect. He's scoring braces. And at, at 17, to have this option to come out of nowhere, uh, Ghani, I believe uh, he, this is only applicable because his parents were on vacation in New York City when he was born. So this would be huge. It it's a win-win for him. He can try out the U.S. without being cap-tied, cause this, these games aren't international qu- competition as far as um, Gold Cup or World Cup qualifiers. Something intriguing to look at. And then you got Tyler Adams, of course, and you got that goalkeeper situation with Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath of uh, Club Bruges. I, I mispronounced that or butchered that in some way. He, uh, but that's the Champions League team out of Belgium and he's getting some minutes there so it's very very exciting Um, outside of that I mean so many of these players are getting Champions League experience it's unreal so I, what are yeah. your generic take on that line or on the lineup on Team USA they got some winnable games against Wales and Panama what do you what do you think constitutes as the bar for success
0: yeah well I think this is this is possibly the greatest U.S. national team ever and I think we have to take all these big names with a grain of salt because when they all come together it's all about how they play together and you can have the greatest players in the world but if they don't have the chemistry you know, you said it's been almost a year I think since we've actually seen a full strength national team and even then it's, it's not anywhere close to what it is right now because it's been so long so obviously this is very exciting. We've got, we've got Americans uh, all together. They've, as you said, they've been in champions league. They've been in their, in their leagues in Europe and all over the world. And they're, they're doing very well. They're making big names for themselves. Tyler Adams sent Leipzig to the champions league with his goal. Uh, Pulisic, obviously with Chelsea is, is a big name. He's breaking out there. He hasn't really been scoring goals as of late, but He's getting playing time, and and he's making a big name for himself. And so I think when these team when these guys all come together, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch. And I'm cautiously optimistic, as I think everyone is. But I th- I think I think this is gonna be probably one of the greatest teams uh, in in American history, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a fun time watching them play and seeing what they can do. World Cup qualifying coming up. Obviously, we know what happened last time that happened in Trinidad. Hopefully, nothing like that ever happens again. And frankly, I don't envision that happening. But let's just get on a a nice turf surface so that we can uh, not have to blame it on the field conditions. But it's going to be exciting to watch.
1: That's how you end up with the U.S. playing Costa Rica at Red Bull Arena, where that's the largest population of Costa Ricans in the United States. Thank you, Bruce Arena, and everyone in the U.S. Soccer Federation for that decision. Anyway, I don't think... We start off on such a positive note there. I'm very excited for it. It's crazy to think just a year ago that they lost to Canada in Toronto. And, And so now... They have a lot of potential. It's going to be interesting to see how all these pieces fit together, all these European players. Weston McKinney is still there, of course. So you got some midfield steal with McKinney and Adams and such an exciting team. And the other interesting team, um, we cover England so much, we might as well go through the England national team. They're playing Ireland, Belgium, and Iceland on the 12th, 15th, and 18th of the month, respectively. The Ireland game is um, not, a, not a Nations League game. The rest are. So will give them a time to kind of warm up for that. And then looking at the roster, Phil Foden, Foden rejoined the team after being out the last window uh, due to injuries. Harry Maguire is going to be suspended for the first game af- um, against Belgium after a red against Denmark in the last Nations League game. And then you're looking at a player. I really like their creative options because that's what they need more of. They don't have that creative of a midfield. That's always been their knock. They usually have solid defenders here. A good attack, right? Harry Kane, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, someone else is in there. Um, Tammy Abraham. Abraham yeah. They they have a really good young attacking core. So they need that creative creativity in midfield, and you're going to get Jack Grealish stood out last time and Mason Mount. And then um, Jordan Pickford. Yeah, he's back. I can argue that over the last few weeks, I don't think it's as deserved. His club form has been horrendous um i i know that's harsh and maybe because i've watched him a lot over the last few weeks but you would think that he's not going to start in all three of these games there's going to be some shuffling around for england to find find that player i i think pickford he'll he'll play a few games he's i don't know how i feel about that but he just hasn't been as sharp as usual so what are your thoughts on this england uh roster from the strikers and attack to defense is there a weakness that they should be working on or what are you seeing there
0: I I still think that they are one of the top teams in Eng- in in Europe they they've got a lot of premier league players and obviously no coincidence being in England um but it always fascinates me that England somehow manages to get unfortunate results i think this has happened a few times with the nations league already where they've just they haven't been able to get the results they've wanted. They've gone in with some, they've gotten some good results. They've gotten three points, but they're also coming away with draws against teams they shouldn't be drawing. They come up, uh, they they play Ireland and Iceland, and then I think Belgium. And it's interesting because, I so Kyle, you have a you have, a wins against Ireland and Iceland, and a, a draw or loss against Belgium. I'm kind of leaning the other way. I'm saying I think we can I think they can beat Belgium, but I say they probably draw against one of the teams between Ireland and Iceland because that's just the way they've been playing where they haven't been able to get perfect results against teams they probably should be beating,
1: so it's just Manchester United
0: on an is. international it really, stage it is uh I blame Harry Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. maybe maybe he's the problem. he did get the red card against tottenham uh and that's why they lost by so much but anyway um yeah it, it's going to be uh it's oh, wait no Maguire didn't get it it was yeah he did was it Martial or Maguire it was
1: Maguire oh, it was Maguire okay
0: because i think it was Lamella's foul on Martial right. that sent him that's off that's right that's right um all right well anyway back to england um yeah it, it it's such a strong team so many threats i have to talk about harry kane but then you you, you can also talk about dcl Sammy Abraham with Chelsea, He, I remember when he came on with Chelsea, he was just a freak of nature. He just kept scoring, and he's he continues to do that. Lots of uh, attacking potential there, but also very defensively sound. A- and their midfield is, is put together. You mentioned the creativity. I think you're right. They do not have as much creativity. If they had to work on that, on, on something, I think it's that. But overall, one of the best teams in Europe, a team that has has made runs internationally very recently. Uh, with the World Cup and and they're looking good in the Nations League, so I, I think they're they're a, a very sound team, very well put together. But it's about those teams that they should be beating. I think they've got to really focus in and and get some results there.
1: Yeah, should be an inter- interesting international window. It's always fun to watch some Nations League games, and I'm sure we'll recap some of that coming up in the coming weeks. And before I get to Champions League, as I think we have 20 more minutes. To go, I want to talk a little bit about Major League Soccer. There's a little uh, more points of interest. And the most pressing one is obviously <laughs> the Fulton County um, elections director, whoever's um, there, is a Timbers fan, which really caught a lot of people off guard. Kudos to uh, Jeff Ruder of The Athletic for getting a and a with him and his brother. Apparently, uh, they're both from the Pacific Northwest. Uh, his brother's a season ticket holder. Uh, he follows the Timbers. He had season tickets for Atlanta United, um, and he doesn't like that because their fans he just got upset at their fans contesting everything that was it, it, he's one of us, essentially. It, it's hilarious. Uh it's a great story. I did not expect to see a Timbers lanyard when watching election coverage. No. Um <laughs> just way too way too random, but I guess everyone in their heart of hearts is a Timbers fan.
0: I'd like to note that it it says a lot about the United States when what has become probably one of the most important counties in the country in the last couple of days is being talked about more because the guy who is talking about the, uh, the, the count, is a timbers fan yeah and not about the election but anyway yeah it's it's kind of kind of an interesting if uh, you're
1: gonna be on point. a news network um talking about stuff and i wear a random mls lanyard because then you get the entire mls <laughs> hive behind you yeah even if you're not a timbers fan every every mls fan was talking about that and it's cool to see major league soccer represented on uh a, a nice moment of brevity i should say on yeah a crazy day and Next up, you got Decision Day, and there's a lot going on here. You got the Timbers, Sounders, and Sporting Kansas City jockeying for first place on points, which we talked about last week, the new system there. Sporting Kansas City will secure first place with a win at Real Salt Lake this weekend. They have their destiny in their hands. And ideally, I would love it if they won that game, considering that's the only way guaranteed they can host Portland if they play in the playoffs. So... Yeah, um, that would be very cool if um, Portland travels to Kansas City for the only time this year. I'm crossing my fingers. Very unlikely, but uh, there, there's, there's hope there. Uh, that's more of on a personal level. But
0: yeah, well, we might be able to get to that game. And in, in hopefully, theory.
1: they released the playoff yeah. schedule today. It's weird. The first, it wouldn't be in the first round, which is good because that's like when we're on Thanksgiving break. Oh, okay, and then the next rounds are like midweek when we, when we get back from Thanksgiving before Christmas, and then the um the conference finals are also when we're both here and that's on a Sunday which is ideal for me uh covering football on Saturdays so I'm just crossing my fingers hopefully we'll get out to a playoff game uh we'll see how that falls sporting Kansas City did have a positive test of COVID nobody else um, tested positive though so I believe they're proceeding with caution
0: I think it actually oh yes sporting had the well, yes, they, they had the positive, but then we were going to go to the Minnesota. Oh, that was the... Uh, that was Minnesota. Oh, I'm talking about positive. like yesterday. Oh, yesterday. As right, of yesterday, right. that yes. happened. No,
1: right. yeah, last week, and we were going to go to the Minnesota game. Kind of bummed out that um, that didn't happen. And obviously, for all the right reasons, you could kind of see it coming throughout the day. Yeah. Minnesota, the cases were building, and and they had to call it. They called on Saturday, but... Uh, that's actually was good for Sporting Kansas City. They didn't have to risk their points per game total. So that just shows tells you all you need to know about the interesting facets of having standings be counted on points per game. Because I believe Sporting yep. is top with 36 points, followed by Timbers who are sitting at 38 points. Yep. And then the it's a weird um, um schedule and standings list. But to get more off of that, Colorado helped Sporting immensely this week. They beat both Portland and Seattle um, to make interesting and give sporting control their own destiny you have in the east toronto and philadelphia two of the best teams in all the major league soccer this year columbus is up there too uh level on 44 points um with the east hanging in the balance so that's going to be huge for toronto it's very important for toronto to win that because no team wants to go to toronto on november 24th or not yeah in that range and play against toronto and what will probably be really cold temperatures that's right on Lake um, Ontario I believe it is Mm -hmm. Uh, that stadium it's a beautiful location in the summer but in the winter it is cold and it will be getting down to that point you saw their um, MLS Cup runs Uh, Philadelphia good for them Um, 44 they're a really talented team we saw that in MLS is back I really love their roster it's very fun I think the best story has to be Orlando City after being in the league I believe since 2015 they finally make the playoffs and I believe they're hosting a game. They looked dominant this year. They're consistent. There's no random stories. Usually they have a story or two a year that you just shake your head at. And you, that's, you go, that's so Orlando City. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen it this year. Just speaks to what Oscar Paré has been able to do in his first year in charge. Changing that culture. Making Orlando City a fun place to play again. And beating Atlanta for the first time ever this year. And all that stuff. A few other things. Uh... To note, Alan Polito did hurt his left knee uh, recently. It's just holding out him out of the next international window, which might be ideal for Sporting Kansas City so he can recover in um, Kansas City. Um, hopefully that's not that big. Uh, just seeing in the games he's played to start the season when Sporting was on fire, he, had, he played a big role in that, and when he's not playing with them, Sporting's done well. Peter Vermees is one of the best coaches in Major League Soccer, and his team's found a way to win games. But uh Polito is what's going to make a difference when you're playing that game against a seattle a portland uh i don't know colorado i believe could be up in that conversation too you'll need Polito, and then just a few more things i'll let you kind of share your thoughts on major league soccer as i'm running through this san jose is somehow in the playoffs i don't know how i don't know um how much they paid donny g but they are there and they are keeping all the receipts according to their Twitter. Uh, even though they are not a good soccer team, they are one of the most inconsistent soccer teams. I'd put them with Manchester United, I think, if the two teams played. It could legitimately go either way. They could either lose 7-2 or lose 7-4. So it's going to be an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, San Jose, they're in the playoffs. I don't think they'll be in it for long, but who knows? Interesting man-marking system that might have saved the job of um, Matias Almeida, who it's not looking good because every time they play Portland, they lose by like four goals. So, yeah, and finally looking at the bottom of the table in the West, Houston Dynamo, just dis- disappointing season in Ramos's opening campaign. I thought they'd be better. It's going to hurt when you lose that player, such as Albert Elise, who um, transferred mid-season. RSL, eh, Galaxy's in the basement. They just fired Guillermo Barros-Soloto. After losing to the Timbers by, like, five goals twice in the span of three weeks or four weeks. Uh, it's just been disappointing there. They have Chicharito. He hasn't been able to do much. And, and I'm going to frame it before you start talking about MLS. In in, in this context, what are your thoughts on um, Shiloto's tenure? And less so about him, but it, is it more of it being anchored to Zlatan over the past few years and then just having a lack of ideas? Going from someone like Zlatan to someone like Chicharito, two styles of players, but trying to play the same style and I know you didn't follow the galaxy much this season, but kind of talking to a point of a coach not being able to adjust and with his job on the line, and then if you have any major league soccer thoughts before we go talk Champions League for the next ten minutes.
0: Yeah, I think Zlatan, obviously a very unique player and person. He he requires a very specific uh style of play and and also probably a specific uh manager coach coaching staff whatever you want to however you want to describe it but you're right it's it's a it's a very different style of play between him and Cicerino You know, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a conversation that I don't know a ton about uh and I and I don't want to say anything that's you know not uh, I haven't done much research on this or anything, but I think that sometimes there are those managers who are tied down to their players and they they will they will coach uh, the players to to fit the team a very specific way. And then if that player leaves, they might not be as uh, willing or they might not realize that they need to make a change. And I, I think that may be happening there with Galaxy. Uh, slot time left at the beginning of the season. Uh, was it the be- was the beginning of this season? No, it was, okay, um, before the okay, season started. Because I felt like his deal time, just yeah. ran
1: out and they didn't renew it. And right.
0: And now at AC Milan, um, but yeah, I I think that w- without providing too much information because I don't have much, I think that it, it, a lot of times stuff like that happens and uh, it, it's just it's up to the manager to to figure out how to how to change the system. Uh, how to coach a new player, and, and I think that that will come, but it's it, it's not looking good for Galaxy this season, and I think it's a season they probably want to get out of their minds and, and move quickly past. Um, as far as the MLS goes, an exciting last week before the playoffs, I think that there's a lot of moves that can still be made, a lot of seeding implications, and I'm just excited for the playoffs. Hopefully... Uh, will be able to make it to a sporting game. They uh, are looking like they will probably finish in first place, but uh, there's there's still uh, the the possibility that they won't. I think a win against RSL. All they have to do is win. Yeah, so a win against RSL this week will. And they host
1: all the playoffs to the west.
0: Yeah, so uh, it, it could be could be you could be uh, hearing some some uh, some firsthand reporting from us mm-hmm. uh, at mercy at uh child's mercy park let's say mercy said. it's children's <laughs> mercy
1: park <laughs> yeah. yeah and obviously well not obviously but i'm gonna try and get a sporting kansas city update out soon i know peter Vermees just talked to the media today it's been inconsistent with those we like to provide them when we can or whether it's just me or you just talking yeah uh, talking through. what we talked a lot about major league soccer and i'll try and find a way to put one of those out and uh, gets some of his press conference. Uh, for those who are interested, you can find that on our feed. And I would like to say that sh- Chicago Fire, as it stands right now, could be playoff bound at 10th in the East. They, they could be. Um, which is surprising because it's the top six. And the West is sending eight and the East is sending 10 because of the imbalance there. Atlanta misses out. Although you're going into decision day, um, Atlanta
0: could get back in. It's weird. Yeah, um, and, and Chicago with a huge missed opportunity against – minnesota united they were up to nothing and, and blew it um and it ended up in a 2-2 draw so it's yeah it, it's 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 whatever if they make the playoffs or not they're not going to go far i really don't have much faith in them but you know a win against NYCFC would be would be big for them
1: obviously. that'd be interesting i think they played nyc fc in the playoffs a few years ago and Nobody showed up because there's too much traffic in Chicago on, like, a Thursday <laughs> afternoon They get to Bridgeview. So that's... Yeah.
0: Well, we're at, we're at Soldier Field now, so we got some—I mean, probably not packing the house. No, but even there's on no a normal fans year. allowed. <laughs> yeah, well, even on a normal year, I don't think we're packing the house. <laughs> yeah, no. We barely do it for Bears games sometimes. <laughs> and it's a small stadium. I don't know.
1: That's getting too far out of the way. We got to talk Champions League, of course, to wrap it up. Um, some interesting conversations to be had here. I'm going to run down the score first, and we can go through them individually. Atletico 1, Locomotive Moscow 1. Oh, okay. <laughs> Bayern 6, RB Salzburg 2, and speaking of Bayern real quick, they play Dortmund. I believe it's a German Cup game, or a DFB uh, Poco game. Uh, could be wrong there, um, but they do play this weekend. Real Madrid 3, Inter Milan 2, Liverpool 5, Atalanta, nothing. Uh, Istanbul, Basta Cashier 2, Manchester United 1, Leipzig 2, PSG 1. Those are the big scores from the first week of Champions League there. I know there's another week coming up of midweek Champions League action. So from those um, games, what what's one that drew your eye? What's one you want to talk about first?
0: Yeah, I think Madrid is definitely one we've got to talk about first. They had a difficult start to their Champions League campaign. I think they actually think they lost um, in their first game. I'm going to check that right now. But anyway, very important that they got three points here. This is a very close group. Group B is uh, Gladbach, Shakhtar, Madrid, and then Inter Milan. And Madrid are now in third place, but they are uh, definitely looking up. And they're, I, I, I still see them advancing out of this group, but obviously very important that they got three points here instead of zero or one. They... Uh, Let's see. Yeah, they they drew against Gladbach, and then lost to Shakhtar. Um, they barely drew against Gladbach too. Yeah, with Casemiro barely. in
1: the ninety plus three.
0: Yeah, and and even with Madrid, uh, even against Milan, it, it it was up until the eightieth minute. It was it was still tied at two, and then Rodrigo with the the goal to uh, give them the lead. But yeah, I, I think Madrid are the, a much needed win. They've gone from. Zero points to one point to uh, to four now, so they're they they keep improving each game. They've gotten a better result, and obviously can't go better than a win. But I think they can continue to win, and uh, they play against Milan next, uh, who are who are at the bottom of the table. Although mm-hmm. I don't read much into that, it's a very close group. It really could go anyone's way. Milan are a very quality team. They've got two draws. I, I I think this will be another close one, but I think Madrid can win it. And if they do win, they have the potential to go top of the table from. Yeah. Straight from uh, from the bottom at the beginning of the first week, so yeah, Madrid. That Madrid game was was huge for them, and I think that was probably the top game for me uh, yeah. from this week.
1: I'm just gonna stay with that. I don't. Real is another inconsistent team. If you're looking at inconsistent teams this week, I I, I don't know how I feel about this. This is Inter Milan's not a terrible team. They're well known. They have a good reputation, uh, and it's a three two win. You're gonna take that any day of the week um, in the Champions League. But I mean. It, Is this one of the results that beating a team like Inter Milan uh, with their stature, even if they may not be the best version of themselves, is that something that maybe turns it around from just finding a way to eke out that win, finding a way to eke out a draw against Gladbach? Is that something that turns this Madrid team around, or um, is it just a fluky result that they're going to play Milan and lose, or is it just you see inconsistency until the
0: knockouts where either they have it or they don't? I really do think this turns it around. Um, Even if they don't get, you know, three points the rest of the way in the group, I think they will end up advancing out of the group. and, And I would consider that a turnaround from where they started the campaign at. So, yes, I think it does turn it around. Now, do they still need to put in quality performances? Obviously. Is there still the possibility that they'll have a bad game? Yes. But overall, they've turned it around. I think that they can turn the page here and at least get out of the group. You did say that they are inconsistent in the in the knockouts. I agree with that. They either have it or they don't. Um so we'll get I guess they'll cross that bridge when they come to it, but for now I see them making it out of the group pretty comfortably.
1: Okay. Byron, I don't think we need to talk too much about that. Yeah, Bayern. Uh, <laughs> RB Salzburg, I mean, kudos to Jesse Marsh. He's been having a the American coach has been having an okay campaign. I mean, you're gonna run into that buzzsaw, but there's a reason they're in the Champions League and it's so cool to see an American coach coaching there. I think an interesting one is the other RB team, um, Rasenball Sport, uh, Leipzig, and beat PSG 2-1, less so for the act of beating PSG, who are France's inconsistent team. That's the theme of our episode today, just inconsistencies. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on um, Leipzig? And they, they kind of feel like they're one of those under-the-table teams. Of course, they advanced very, very far last year. And they lost a player like Timo Werner, who hurts tremendously. And that's gonna might make the difference when they advance to the knockouts and how far they go in the competition. But they just feel like the dark horse candidate. And I think as it goes on, these teams like Atletico Madrid, they're drawing. And Atletico Madrid has been terrible. Mm-hmm. But just seeing Leipzig, I think they're going to keep putting in under-the-radar performances. It's not always going to be pretty. But they have really good pieces. I think they- they'll be there by... Maybe the quarterfinals, maybe the uh, group of eight or the round of eight teams, right there. What what are your thoughts on RB Leipzig? And do you see them as that team, or do you think it's just one of those things where they're eventually going to be overwhelmed because
0: um, they just are lost a few of those players last year? I do think that they're uh, a sleeper team. I think they're underdogs for sure, but they're they're in that group that we talked about, Group H. They've got Manchester United, PSG, and then and then Leipzig. Uh, you know result against PSG is always is always something you should be proud of and for Leipzig I think that that you know they they played well they deserved that win yeah i losing team of uh, team of werner was was mm-hmm. at the time i thought uh since I, I actually had followed leipzig last season when they played because they played tottenham in mm-hmm. i believe the round of 16 i
1: think right before um psg no yeah psg was a quarter so yeah so either- i think
0: it I think Tottenham were out in the round of 16. So, yeah. So and they played Leipzig uh, and, and lost. And and Werner was crucial for them. He he just he was that striker that just caused Tottenham troubles. And then he left. And I was I I remember I I said well all right, Leipzig are going to be back in the Champions League. But you know how are they going to how are they going to continue to play without Werner? Uh, and they've managed. They've they other players have stepped up. Um, and, and and they're playing very well, and and I see them going uh, out of this group in, in a very difficult group with PSG and United. I mean, it's it's impressive. So I, I think they are a sleeper. They are an underdog, but they are a team that that uh, that deserves uh, to get some attention because uh, they've got the parts for sure.
1: Yeah, and I know we're just about out of time, and games we didn't really get to talk about too much: Liverpool, Atlanta. Um, Atlanta is always seems to be just the popular soccer fans' favorites. They play a very attractive style of soccer. Yeah. Uh, Liverpool, of course, the best result in the Champions League so far. This is a good result. At Atalanta is not a pushover here. So, I'm. I mean, that's that's gonna be. I don't see Atlanta being blown out like that again. Um, and then I think those are all the significant results uh, that happened this week. And so, that is all we have. We hit not quite. Oh, I just want to talk about more Mizzou soccer. Just Never real mind. quick,
0: real quick, uh, Mizzou with a a big win against Kentucky um, this past weekend on uh, the day after Halloween. I think it was Sunday, uh, four to one. They scored all their goals in the first half and pretty much ran away with it from the beginning. It was over by the thirtieth minute. It seemed uh, Kentucky got uh, did get a goal in the second half, but uh, a very very big performance from Mizzou in a short season. They are only playing seven games now because the game against Georgia which was scheduled for today at 6 was canceled due to positive covid tests within the Georgia program. Um, that game's not going to be made up as the regular season ends this weekend. So with only seven games, a 3-point result is 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 huge. It's everything. And um so they wrap up the season on Sunday at home against Florida and then starts the SEC tournament which uh it's going to be it's going to be pretty much every man for himself. I mean, it, it's been a short regular season. It really could go anyone's way. Mizzou has been playing well as of late. They've gotten uh semi-decent results two draws in overtime. And then the win uh, against Kentucky, those are their last three games. So they're playing well. And uh, I, I think that it really could go anyone's way. We'll find out the final seating after this weekend, as every team still has another game and, and the standings are completely up in the air. Um, Mizzou are currently in fifth place in the SEC East. Uh they've got a two two and two record and uh looking to end this end the regular season with a win to make it uh, a winning regular season against a Florida team that's only got one win um in uh six attempts. So it should be uh should be a fun matchup, a fun way to end the season and going into the uh the tournament. So that's it. That's all I've got on Mizzou Soccer.
1: Yeah, and and so that to wrap it all up, I know we've been a little over an hour, lots to talk about today, lots of international competition, and we're going to talk about that next week. And um, before we go off for Thanksgiving break and uh, everything's starting to fly by, MLS playoffs are around the corner. It's it's just an exciting time to be a soccer fan. So you can find me at Kyle underscore, um, Pinnell underscore on Twitter. You can find Michael Howie at Michael Howie three, and of course you can find the show, show soccer uh, from the zoo is going to be on Twitter at soccer at the zoo with Z O U. So that's all from me. I'd like to say enjoy your soccer weekend. Either be like us and wake up at six thirty. Apparently to watch our teams because that's apparently when they play. Or I gotta, I gotta get up at six. I'm sorry. Okay, so he's uh, Michael's <laughs> getting up at six. I'm gonna attempt to get up at six thirty and. Um, enjoy whether you watch soccer whether you watch football should be a fun sports weekend and um, with that that's all I have